And today, what I believe is that faith allows me to live with big questions that are that are unanswered and that are unresolved. But I didn't know that then. Well, hello, friends of Bill W. and other friends. You have landed on Sober Speak. My name is John M. I am an alcoholic, and we are glad you are all here, especially newcomers. Newcomers, that is, both to recovery as a whole and newcomers to this podcast. Sober Speak is a podcast about recovery centered around the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. My job here on Sober Speak is simple. My job is to provide a platform to the amazing stories of recovery all around us. Consider Sober Speak, if you will, your meeting between meetings. Please remember, we do not speak for AA or any 12-step community. We represent only ourselves. We are here to share our experience, strength, and hope with those who wish to come along for the ride. Take what you want and leave the rest at the curb for the trash man to pick up. Welcome, ladies and gents to the show that was the voice of jennifer h k that you heard at the beginning of this episode and you will be hearing so much more from her on this here episode number 189 of sober speak but first things first this episode is brought to you by Jason and Anna and Hillary and Terry and Todd and Kurt. Do you know what Jason and Anna and Hillary and Terry and Todd and Kurt did? Well, let me fill you in. They went to our website, soberspeak.com. They clicked on the little yellow. Actually, it's not yellow anymore. I keep saying they click on the donate tab and they made a, a contribution. Thank you so much, Jason and Anna and Hillary and Terry and Todd and Kurt. This episode is coming right out to Ewan's. I, John M., just another bozo on the pus. Pus. <laughs> Ooh, I almost got into. <laughs> dangerous territory just another bozo on the bus will be the chairperson for this meeting between meetings and i am most honored and privileged to serve all of you listening in so take a seat if you will around this virtual table and let's get started remember no matter who you are or what your past looks like you Yes, you are welcome here. It is an open table, and we are glad you are all here. If you want to join our super secret Facebook group, you just got to search for it on Facebook, and there'll be a little thing there that says, can I be invited? And you just click on that, and we let you in. The bar is very, very low. If you are in the North Texas area and you would like to join us at a newly created, newly formed AA meeting, now it's an open AA meeting, so anybody can attend, all are welcome, just like on the Sober Speak podcast. We have a new meeting at, uh, it's a noon meeting, excuse me. Well, it's a new noon meeting. It starts at 12 o'clock PM noon and it's in Frisco, Texas. And it is, if you want to have, you want to get all the information for it, go to our website, soberspeak.com, clicked on the, click on the sober resources tab and all of the information like the address and all that stuff will be there. And we would love to have you join us and keep in mind, once again, you do not have to be an alcoholic in order to attend that meeting. Okay, so there has been a 
meditation. Uh, you know, I use a meditation. I use several meditation apps, but one of the ones I use is uh, Insight Timer. Uh, I use Buddy C's uh, meditations as well. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, one I've been using here recently is an Insight Timer. And the guy who does the meditation, his name is Randy. I, his last name escapes me right now, but it does start with an F. If you're interested in that, email me at john, J-O-H-N at soberspeak.com, and I'll get you the information. But anyway, he reads it and he ends up every one of the meditations or or this particular meditation he ends it up every time by reading from this particular passage of the big book which i absolutely love and it made me think last night when i was going through this process that i should read this on the air and i think i've probably read this on the air before i get confused over what i have and have not done but anyway this is from page 46 of the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and I just wanted to read it for you folks real quick. It says, this is from We Agnostics, uh, the chapter is called We Agnostics in the Big Book. It says, much to our relief, we discovered that we did not need to consider another's conception of God. Our own conception, however inadequate, was sufficient to make the approach and to effect a contact with him. As soon as we admitted, as let me just say that again, as soon as we admitted the possible existence of a creative intelligence, a spirit of the universe underlying the totality of things we began to be possessed possessed of a new sense of power and direction, provided we took other simple steps. We found that God does not make too hard terms with those who seek him. To us, the realm of the spirit is broad, roomy, all-inclusive, never exclusive or forbidding to those who earnestly seek. It is open, we believe, to all men. I'm going to read that last part again because I absolutely, I I love the whole passage. I, I like the whole chapter, but just that last part I'm going to focus on to make it a little easier. It says, we found that God does not make too hard terms with those who seek him. To us, the realm of the spirit is broad, roomy, all-inclusive, never exclusive or forbidding to those who earnestly seek. It is open, we believe, to all men. Absolutely love that package. Pa- passage, not package. I guess you could wrap it up in a package, but nonetheless, that's page 46 of the big book. Now, on to Jennifer H dash K Jennifer H K. So you know, you know what I'm saying? It's a hyphenated name. So, but you don't say Jennifer, I guess, H hyphen K, or do you just say Jennifer H K or do you say H hyphen K or H dash dash K? Is there something appropriate? Whatever appropriate is, I'm sure I am not hitting that mark right now. But nonetheless, I love Jennifer HK and Jennifer, if you're listening, sorry for butchering this. Anyway, Jennifer HK, and we're calling this episode, Faith Allows Me to Live with Big Unanswered Questions. And keep in mind, this is part one. We will have part two of Jennifer next week. Jennifer has been sober since... December 5th, 1992, and lives in the Plano, Texas area, which is right in my neck of the woods. And Jennifer has one wicked sense of humor. In fact, much of this episode is Jennifer rattling off really funny one-liners and me Moi, not being able to control my giggling. So if you are one of those people, and I've had people write in before to say, John, we can't handle your laughing anymore, your giggling, whatever you want to call it. Uh, This is one where you want to go ahead and stop the tape now and listen to one of our other 188 episodes. But uh, Jennifer is just hilarious. We talk about Jennifer's mother 
her father, her sister, her turtles, her home bar, much like you have a home group, she had a home bar, and much, much more. So keep in mind, Jennifer and I get a little bit silly on this kind of part one, but please tune into part two next week where Jennifer discusses more of the serious side of alcoholism and how it can devastate a family. And keep in mind, I will have a musical treat for your ears on the very back end of this episode back end. Anyway, there's something that doesn't sound quite right about that. But nonetheless, at the end of this episode, we will have a musical treat for you. You are not going to want to miss. And of course, we will have plenty of listener feedback before, excuse me. Yeah, before that. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, please welcome Jennifer H.K. Enjoy. Okay, everybody. So today we are sitting here with Miss Jennifer H Dash K. Uh, and Jennifer, uh, and I, I'm assuming you like to use both initials. Am I right I about do. that? I okay, do. Great. So, Jennifer H K, if you could please go ahead, introduce yourself, tell people where you are in this great land of ours, and give your sobriety date if you wish, please. Absolutely. My name is Jennifer Lee, and I am an alcoholic. I've been kept sober since December 5th of 92, and that's my miracle. And I am from Plano, Texas. So, I'm a Plano girl. And I don't know if you know about this, but I'm actually right down the street. For, well, I say right down the street. I'm in Frisco. Oh, okay. I was there so yesterday. So generally speaking, when oh, you were in Frisco mm-hmm. yesterday, huh? God. Uh, so generally speaking, you know, uh, but COVID has done some strange things, right? I used to have people when they were this close, just come on over to the house, right? And we do a recording and such. And uh, But now with uh, the pandemic and such, we've changed up our ways, which is actually very good. Uh, you know, people don't have to drive down the road, pay the toll sure. and, uh, you know, waste all that time getting here and back. So I'm glad about that. Um, so I want to tell people just real quick how we uh, got in touch with each other. First of all, I had Carl M who has been on the podcast before actually referred me over to you and I'd actually, well, I take that back. No, Carl M and I actually had somebody named Maria who, uh, Maria, who's a dear friend of mine, suggest you and about three or four other people. And we kind of went back and forth for a while, but I'm so glad that we finally were able uh, to get together. And I want to talk about this real quick. You actually have, a microphone, which I was ecstatic about because I generally don't get to be, record people with a microphone. How come you have that microphone? Well, it when the pandemic started, my whole family went on lockdown and I live with my husband, my sweet little mother who does not want to hear all of my story um, and four tortoises. And so because of the way that our house is laid out, there were very few places where I wasn't interrupting somebody when I was on a Zoom meeting. So I did six months of the pandemic in our master bathroom. And uh, so I had and I had lights and all kinds of stuff so trying to make it not look like I was in the bathroom. And so as this has all unfolded, I have wound up with different manifestation. At one point I had these gamer headphones that looked like I was flying the millennium millennial falcon, whatever that's called. Anyway, a spaceship. And, um, and now I have, you know, I have a mic and I have a better camera and I sit in front of an open window so that I've got perfect lighting. Um, and it sort of turned into something that I also use for my work so I can write it off too. That's great. (laughs) Uh, so yeah, uh, and see, yeah, like I said, usually I'm having to kind of coach people through using some earbuds or you know whatever the case may be. So this is a perfect I've got a setup. Full setup. Absolutely, <laughs> you're good to go. <laughs> All right, so you're in Plano. Did you actually grow up here in the Dallas area? I did. Uh, I was born in Waco, just down the road. My mom was a, ma- a Baylor girl and met met a man who was already teaching school. She was going to be a, become a teacher, and um, but we moved to North Texas when I was little. Uh, back when Prosper was one of the first places we lived, when it was a teeny tiny greasy spot in the road, it was nothing. Um, but we came to Plano when I my first year of middle school. So. Um, I have been right around this area pretty much all my life. 
And people probably don't know this who are listening in, but Plano is a, a very large suburb of Dallas that uh, really has blossomed over the years. I'm sure when you got there, it wasn't quite as big. And now there's hardly any room to exactly. plan any sort of uh, building in it. So, all right. So you grew up here in the Dallas area, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, so t- talk to me a little bit about that. I mean, where do you like to start when you're telling your story? Well, I tell people, uh, I, I usually start the same way, which is I, I was born at a very early age on November 16th of 1966. And, um, but I go into how I grew up on the mean streets of Plano, which is a joke because there are absolutely no <laughs> mean streets in Plano. We have a lot of, you know, nail salons and Starbucks and uh, tanning places. There's not really any uh, super suburban. Uh, unless you find a yeah. really aggressive squirrel or rabbit, you're not in much danger. Um, and so, you know, I, I grew up in a in a fairly affluent n- town. Now my parents were both teachers. We didn't have a ton of money, but we were, we never went without anything. And, um, and I grew up in a household where I was happy and healthy and well-adjusted and loved for almost three whole years. And then they brought home my (laughs) sister Oh no! and, uh, and I began to question everything because she started interfering with my attention. And, uh, and so that's really sort of where the whole thing began. That, that is, my earliest memory of of telling a lie is when they brought my sister home and people were talking to me about how great it was. And I knew I was supposed to say, yay. And so I'm sure I did, but I didn't feel that way at all. And uh, I was really envious and that she got all this attention. And, and so the lying and resentment started really early for me I'm, uh, because I, I just, I wanted I, I have always just wanted uh, a little bit more than everybody else to feel like I fit in and, and like I belong. And so I sort of demand extra to feel even. And I, I know you know what I'm talking about when I say that. I do. So that, so that sister of yours, have you had conversations with her since you've uh, gotten sober regarding your feelings of her coming home on that third birthday it of was, you, around three years old? We have talked some. And um, I mean, she lives just down the road too. And, and so um, we've talked some about, about that, but more so when I made my amends to her what I learned was that I was watching her life being really, really envious. And she was watching me, um, not, not in my illness, but, but just my personality and, and gifts and things like that. And wishing she were a lot more like me, which was a revelation because I live so much in my head that I imagine that she always just thought I was an idiot <laughs> and, and chose a path, you know, very different from mine by watching the things that I did and the places I wound up and the consequences that I got. And you mentioned your mother there. So does she, you know, you said that he, she doesn't want to hear all of your story all of the she time. Does which not. I um, my mom told me when I was 15 that there are moms who want to be your friend and then there are moms who don't. And she said, there are just some things that I don't want to know if I don't need to. My mom was a high school teacher. And so I think she knew a lot about not necessarily everything that was going on with me, but a lot of what was going on in high school. And, um, and I've always really admired that she kind of knew what she could handle and what she couldn't. And there were some, there came a time where there was no hiding what was going on with me at all. Um, and she certainly got phone calls from jail and such, but, um, but I did understand that, uh, that she knew she was powerless over some of the decisions that I was making. So you and your sister were different, it sounds like, in many respects. Can you go into some of those differences? (laughs) Yes. um, We have lived very, very different lives. um, And thus, we have a different concept of God. We we certainly vote differently. Um, And we have had to, as adults, figure out how to navigate those things and sort of avoid the conversations that we just can't get on the same page with. Cause I get way emotional about it. She can do that with impunity, but I turn, you know, I get hysterical trying to talk about those kinds of things, but, but she, she just took this, she took the path I thought I was going to, which was she went to high school and graduated. She went to college and graduated. She got married. She had children. She, you know, got, 
was very, very involved in the church, all of which were what I thought. I mean, I got there eventually, but uh, that's the direction I thought that I was going. I thought that I would be a minister when I grew up. Um, I really loved church. I I liked the attention there. I liked the kumbaya feeling. I There was just a lot there that I felt good about and wanted to be a part of. And um, And then I took a drink. And all of those things kind of went out the window um, because I was immediately obsessed. I was, it just, without even recognizing it, I was rearranging my entire life to accommodate drinking and anything that interfered with my next drink had to go. And, and so I, I didn't wind up going down that path. I, I took a pretty major detour Um and, and it's not like I got sober and then I knew exactly what I wanted to be and exactly what I wanted to do. I had to try a ton of different things. Um, I've, there have been many manifestations of trying to figure out who I'm going to be in the world and how I'm going to serve. So you said right from the beginning, you were not a your average temperate drinker, so to speak. Like, go back to the beginning. When, when did that start? Okay. Um, my friends started drinking in middle school. But I was not really interested in middle school drinking, because if you recall middle school drinking, it involves nose puking and being grounded forever. And I wasn't interested in either <laughs> right. of those things. As I said, I was a, I was a good little church girl. And um, but I did like to take care of drunk boys because uh, I thought that might give me a better shot at them. Um, <laughs> and so uh, what happened was I, uh, I'm trying to get a boyfriend, but I scare the fish. I I'm an oversharer and I'm super emotional and, and I'm a stage four Klingon and all of those apparently are not super turn ons. I did not know. Uh, and so this guy moves to town. He shows up at the first Methodist church. I want what he has and I'm willing to go to almost any lengths to get it. And, um, and he finds me fascinating too. And we begin to date and, um, and I want him, I want to keep him forever. And, and so I decide that we have to have sex that, that, because then we'll have to get married. I don't know if you know this rule. I think I made it up. Um, but it was that <laughs> if we had sex, we would have to get married and I could, I could keep him forever. And, and so it's a cunning plan. It's, this is going to work swimmingly. And so we want, and how old are you? At I'm this point? probably 15, 16 years old. Um, okay. Gotcha. And so we go on this date, we've done a little light shoplifting. Um, we're headed off to Chili's <laughs> I'm driving. And, um, and so, you know, I pull into a dark parking lot to get myself deflowered. And as I'm making my big move, which by the way, I have no idea what I'm doing. I've just watched some eighties <laughs> movies. You know, I don't, really hoping Molly Ringwald knows more than I do. But, and um, as I'm just about to, you know, see if I can make something happen, that's when he comes out of the closet. And um, oh, yeah, no. so oh, no. I got mad at him and I got mad at God and I got drunk at them both. And, and really, and truly it, I, my drinking was an act of defiance. I, um, I had had been struggling with my faith because I had a very childish and naive idea about faith and what it was supposed to do for me. Um, Cause I thought faith was supposed to answer all your questions. And today what I believe is that faith allows me to live with big questions that are, that are unanswered and that are unresolved, but I didn't know that then. And so there were a lot of things that sort of led to this, straw that broke the camel's back. But, you know, when I didn't get him forever and ever and, um, and made that all about me, by the way, you know, it was, it was a hard thing for him to admit to anyone. And, um, and I made it about me. And uh, I, I regret that, you know, that, that I didn't recognize what was going on with him in that moment. I don't think there's a really fun time for anybody to come out, but certainly not the eighties as a young man. Um, he was terrified and he knew that wasn't going to be received well by a lot of people who loved him. And I, I didn't handle it well. Now I spent the next two years trying to convince him he wasn't that gay. And, uh, he, he is, uh, I checked that stuck. Um, but he's also a member of AA and, and it was really cool because God allowed me to, uh, 
in, in part to make amends by we hadn't seen each other for a long, long time and, and we reconnected and, and he had called me. He was living out of state. We had not kept up with each other after prom, but um, he called me almost 10 years later and I was sober in AA and, and we went to dinner one night and he kept saying, I have no idea why I called you, but the longer we talked, the more I knew why. And it was so that I could talk to him about my life in Alcoholics Anonymous and how much I loved being sober and, and the people and the things that I found here. And he needed that. And, um, so it was really cool. I got to go talk at his first birthday and all this kind of stuff. But, but I, I, I started drinking out of resentment that if, you know, if trying to be on the God squad doesn't get you what you want, what's the point? And, and so I decided to get drunk. I had become fascinated by drinking. I was watching some older kids drink, and that looked different than middle school drinking. You know, it was margaritas in a mug at Chili's. Chili's is a big part of my, I don't know. I neither endorse nor oppose Chili's, but Chili's and Jesus kind of show up from time to time in my story. <laughs> um, but I, I was watching older people drink. And what I saw, because these were kind of nerdy people, was that as they drank, they got they developed personalities like I, you, they could tell dirty jokes and flirt and they went from being terribly awkward to kind of cool. And I knew that I'm made up of about 89% personality. So I figured if we could enhance that, there'd just be no stopping me. And uh, which <laughs> turned out to be true. Um <laughs> And so I became fascinated by drinking. And finally, I asked a lot of questions and somebody just gave me two bottles of wine. And, and eventually I wind up getting drunk. And, and from the very beginning, I just, this was like the missing piece. And, and it's so funny because the little gal that I got drunk with the first time is still my friend today. And mm. when you ask her about what happened that night, she will talk about broken glass and urine and vomit and DNA, just a lot of DNA. And I'm not saying that those things didn't happen, but that is so, such a teeny tiny part for me. For me, it was just this magical revelation where I can drink a bottle of cheap wine and suddenly I can compete with a drill teamy girl. And you can't see me, but I'm not a drill teamy girl. I'm a little sturdier than that. I'm uh, My body's built by Tonka, not Barbie. And so... You know, when I'm drinking and I feel like all of a sudden I, I, I'm on the same playing field as teeny, teeny Barbie girl, you know, of course I want more of that. I don't care how much I have to vomit if that is how I get to feel for even a brief and shining moment. Absolutely. Deal me in. And, and so that's where it started. <laughs> Tonka. <laughs> I'm built to last. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> okay. So, all right. So, I, I, I get, I'm wondering how long did you, you know, how we call it a drinking career, right? How long did your drinking career last? Did, was it approximately it was about uh, four years, years, five years, about 10 years? Mm -hmm. right? So, that was the first drink. And now you have about 10 years to go in between there. Kind of take me through some, I guess, low lights, okay. highlights. If I remember something from hearing your talk once, you talked about a home bar. If oh, I'm yeah. Not mistaken. Oh, absolutely. Well, I, you know, I started drinking in high school, but I, I say I wasn't taking a lot of risk. Of course I was. I, it was nuts, but it didn't feel as risky. Um, because my mom taught at the high school I went to. And so she knew where the parties were and she knew who the people were. And she kind of, she knew she had a handful on her hands. And, um, which doesn't mean I didn't get into stuff. It just meant I knew I had to be a little bit sneakier. And, um, but I did wind up going to jail, like in high school for stealing a street sign while drunk. I never, I didn't put it together as an alcohol related offense. I just thought it was theft over $20. And yes, I had been drinking, but you know, today I think, why would anybody put a sign in their car unless they're, you know, under the influence of a lot of California coolers, um, children back in the day there was this horrible thing it was like sneeze in a bottle it was awful but we drank a lot of them and anyway um so 
I, then I went to I went to to college, and um, I had taken a test that said I would be really good at college, and that test lied um, because. <laughs> It assumed I would go to class or complete an assignment or, you know, something. And, um, and instead I, I, when I first got there, I was so filled with terror. I was really scared and I was really in part because I was anonymous and I, I kind of rely on people to come find me, um, in high school, I had been pretty well known. I was the president of a lot of things. And, um, and I found by doing those things that people would kind of come towards me. And I went to school and made decisions at the last minute and I didn't really join anything. And I wasn't living on camp. There was just a lot of mess surrounding all that. And, and I, I was just terrified. I didn't know anybody. I didn't really, hadn't really had a game plan on how to meet anybody. I was obsessively thinking about myself and, and what was wrong with me. I wasn't drinking as much, um, cause I couldn't get it uh, as easily there yet, but I turned 19 that year and, um, and it was, it was on. And then there were, there were just no boundaries. I was drunk every day. I was drunk every night. I was, um, I would get calls from friends for, in the dorm and they'd say, we're firing up the blender and I would show up and, and drink all night and, and those kind of things. And shockingly, I flunked out of school in record time. Um, <laughs> I was surprised. I don't think anyone else was. Um <laughs> And so I made my big geographic. I moved from Denton to Louisville. For those of you who don't know, that's about one zip code away. I just drove over a bridge and a lake and it's a whole new world. And and I think it's going to be different in a new town. And what happens in a new town is I changed my costume. You know, I went from, in, when I was in Denton, I sort of pretended to be a hippie chick, which d just means I gave up hygiene. And then... Um, <laughs> And then I moved to Louisville and I decided I'm a cowgirl and I got some ridiculous ropers and a belt buckle the size of my head and um, some jeans with no pockets on the back. It was terrible. And, uh, and I start going to bars every night and, and I think I'm having fun. And, and it, in the beginning it was fun, but pretty quickly that gets out of hand. And, and by day I'm a preschool teacher cause I chose a, career with a hangover and um oh, no. yeah it was a bad plan because those little people got no boundaries and they wake up ready to do stuff and i'm hungover <laughs> and it's just a mess it's just a big mess and um <laughs> golly it it really is i got i got one dwi um and i i figure out you know that's just what happens to party girls and so, uh, it's like the Girl Scouts, you get your little patches. And so I got my little DWI patch and, um, <laughs> and so I go see the, my attorney to tell him about this problem that I have. And he says, well, Jennifer, when they pull you over again, because apparently from what I told him, he got the feeling I wasn't done. And, uh, <laughs> and I thought it was so weird that he said, when they pull you over again, here's what I want you to do. Because I'm thinking I already have my patch. I don't need another one. You <laughs> And, um, but he didn't know I had a plan and the plan was I was going to be real careful and, um, immediately sane people understand the problem with the plan. I do not see that there's a problem with that plan. Cause I think I have the ability to be more careful and I don't, once I pick up a drink, it's all bets are off. I don't know where I'm going, what I'm spending, who I'm going home with, wh which day I'm going to show back up. I have no idea what's going to happen. And, and yet I'm telling myself I can, I can be more careful and, and it's not working. And, um, and just some things begin to happen. I, I don't drink at home and I don't drink alone. And, um, and I didn't know why until I went through the book with a sponsor. But when I went through the book with a sponsor, what we discovered was that a friend of mine had, um, he had died. Uh, he got drunk at a party and asphyxiated on his own vomit. He passed out on his back. And when I, when I went to his funeral, I must have made a decision that I couldn't drink at home or alone. And so that meant that I went home with strangers. And because of that, some things began to happen that, um, 
that were humiliating and and violent and shameful and um and that's one of the reasons I know I'm an alcoholic, you know, as I reviewed what happened, what went on in my life during that time. My book tells me that for with a sufficient reason, a normal drinker or a heavy drinker can stop or moderate. And so as I'm looking at this situation, I know that should be a sufficient reason to stop or moderate. And yet that's not what happened with me. I began to drink more to blot out the consciousness of my intolerable situation. I'm drinking for oblivion. And and that's one of the first words that I looked up when I read the book, Alcoholics Anonymous. And, and the definition that I found was to seek to forget or to be forgotten. And, and I begin to drink that way. It's no longer about living happily ever after or meeting somebody or having babies or getting married. It's, it's about getting through the day and not, not having to think or not having to feel about the things that are going on in my life on a, on a more regular basis than I really want to think about, you know? Let me take a real quick break. Sure. We will be continuing our conversation with Jennifer in just a moment. Just a reminder, <clears throat> excuse me, you are listening to Sober Speak. You can find us on the World Wide Web at SoberSpeak.com. You can also find the donate button on our website, which you can use if and only if the spirit moves you to do such. Please keep in mind, this is a podcast funded by you, the listener. Sober Speak is a self-supporting organization through our own contributions. We are not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution. We do not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorse nor oppose any causes. All right, let's go back, back to Jennifer now. So I do want to uh, pick up that idea of, uh, I had never heard this before. I'd heard people talk about home groups, but I had never heard them speak about home bars in the past. Can you tell me what you meant by a home Absolutely. bar and how you adopted that? I got that second DWI and that's when I, I discovered I had a problem. I, it was a driving problem. I was not convinced that alcohol was the real problem because alcohol is how I get through the day. But obviously, Driving while intoxicated, driving's the big problem, and so I decide that I need a home bar. And I, I literally move next door to my favorite bar in Flower Mound, and um, and I think that's going to solve the problem because now I can just stagger home, and it'll be fine. I mean, I I really don't even have to get on a main road to get to my apartment. Um, but what I don't know is that wherever I go, there I am and I have alcoholism and it is progressive and it's fatal. And I'm, I'm not really putting together. I can tell you that I drink too much too often. Of course I can't, but I truly believe that if I could get married or if I could have a baby or if I could, whatever, fill in the blank, get my finances together or finish school or something that I won't be doing this anymore. You know, I, I, in my mind, I have repackaged this and sold myself this story that this is a means to an end. This is just how I'm going to meet Mr. Happily ever after. And, uh, and once I get him, then I'm, you know, I'm going to have some babies and I'm going back to the First Methodist Church and I'm going to finish my education and all these other things are going to happen. And that's, that's not what's happening at all. I mean, I just, I am so delusional about the whole thing. Um, I and I, I'm really baffled because I walk into the bar and I tell myself, we've got a game plan. I tell myself, I'm going to have this many, or I'm going to leave it this time, or I'm only going to spend this amount. And what I believe is that I have a changing my mind problem. That when I go in there, at some, something always makes me change my mind. And I have no concept of this physical aspect. That was what was revolutionary when I came into recovery was, was someone explaining the physical aspect of, of the illness. Um, I do remember one situation. I I haven't talked about this in a long time. I went out of town with my mother. I went on a church trip with my mother and her peers to England. And, um, and by then I'm way full blown and I, my mom doesn't drink at all. And, um, and so I just make a decision that I'm not going to drink for the 10 days that we are in England (laughs) with no sense that I can't do that. Like there's no way I can make it that long, but it's a great plan. And so we get there, 
um, we have unpacked for the first night and my mother's getting dressed for something. And I'm like, where are you going? And she said, I'm going to the pub. And I mean, out goes the idea in goes the, well, we're drinking. I didn't know that, you know? And so my mother's drinking whatever, a Bailey's Irish cream. I mean, just something ridiculous. And, um, and I start chugging pints and, um, and it progresses through the week while we're in, in Europe. And mind you, we're with the church choir and I'm getting drunk and I'm getting drunk regularly and visibly. And, and I'm humiliating my mother. And finally she says something, I, which is really hard for her. She's very, she likes everybody to get along. And, um, but I, it's just, it's becoming so obvious to everyone but me how out of control I am. And she, you know, stops me as I'm staggering toward a bathroom or something and says, please stop. You are embarrassing me. And my response is, well, then why did you let me start? And I don't think I had put together, you cannot let me start if you want me to stop until that very moment. I'm, I'm sort of on the fly putting together, oh gosh, I, you can't, you can't decide after we've begun this that I'm done because I can't even do that. You certainly can't. And so I remember trying to tone it down while she was awake. I remember sneaking down to the pub after she had gone to sleep to finish um, because I can't just stop because somebody else wants me to, or even because I want me to. Um, and that was really one of those first glimpses that I had going, this is way worse than I think it is. And I don't have control at all. I mean, not at all. I didn't make it 24 hours before. Not only did I drink, but I drank too much. Hmm. You know, Jennifer, we have got through a good portion of you getting uh, starting to get sober here, but there's no way we're going to make it to getting sober in your life after this and me have the time that I want to have with you. So would you do me a favor and let me schedule something else with you where we can come back and finish up the rest of your story at another time? Would you be okay with Absolutely. that? Absolutely. I would love to. Okay, then. So I always ended up here with page 164 from the big book. It says, abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the spirit. And you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining me today. I look forward to getting back together with you real soon. Okay? Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you, Jennifer HK. It was a pleasure spending time with you. And as a reminder to all of you, the listeners, we will be having Jennifer HK part two next week. So come on back and join us again. And remember, we do not want you sharing your gossip, but we would love for you to share this episode with a friend or family member. It may be just what they need today. Pause your device, click on that little share button and share away. Now, on to a little bit of a listener feedback for youans. First up is Lorraine E. She left us a voicemail here. Here we go with Lorraine. Hi, John M. It's Lorraine E. from the Isle of Wight. I just wanted to say thank you so much for your service, your podcast. You're definitely reaching all four corners of the world. And uh, a very special thank you to Brian M., who um, is on Share 144. I just love listening to all the shares, and I listened to that one again last night, and it really is just such a powerful message. Thank you so much. 
Oh, thank you so much, Lorraine. Absolutely love your accent. By the way, she said Brian uh, or something like that, but she actually meant Brian P. Uh, But oh, I love your accent. Thank you so much for sending in that message. And so you say to yourself, well, John M., how come Lorraine E. gets to send in a message and I don't? Well, this is not the case, my friends. You too can send in a voicemail if you so desire, if your little heart so desires. All you got to do is look at the show notes and there's a little link in there that says something like uh, send voicemail or something like that or speak pipe or something. And it says, leave John M a message. You just click on that and you can leave a message whenever you would like. Or you can go to our website, www.soberspeak.com. You can click on the contact us tab page and there's a little uh what is it like a little microphone on the right side of the screen it says leave john m a message and we would love to hear from you as well now some more listener feedback hillary c writes in and we're not completely sure if this is Hillary Clinton yet or not, uh, but we don't believe so. I'm just kidding. I know for sure this is not Hillary Clinton. But, you know, who knows? Hillary could be, she could be listening to this. Uh, next week we could have, I don't know, like um, Barack O write in or something like that. Or we could have Donald T write in. Hey, John, this is Barack O, or this is Donald T. Really been enjoying the podcast, but nonetheless. Anyway, back to Hillary C. Hillary says, John M., I was so touched that so many people in the Sober Speak Facebook group responded to my one year mark. So, Hillary C. posted in this super secret Facebook group about her one-year anniversary, and so many people responded. And that's just what we do in the super secret Facebook group, right? We support each other. And she says, and I wanted to tell you that the last podcast you did with Matthew M. was filled with value bombs, B-O-M-B-S in all capped letters, and wisdom from the heart. She says, I just love that Ep! <laughs> Exclamation point. She says, you guys knocked it out of the sober park. <laughs> I've never heard that before. <laughs> Thank you, Hillary. She says, also, I heard your ep on the bubble hour and on the way out. And what she's talking about that is she heard an, an interview with me on a, a couple of other uh, podcast. And she says, it is amazing that you went through what you went through and what brought you here today. And you are still just as passionate about helping others find their way home to sobriety and a better life! Exclamation point. I love the way you found peace with your mom at the end of her life and what you said to her in her final moments. I am going to do that with my mom soon, who has struggled with addiction and mental illness all her life. Oh, that gives me a little tear to my eye there, Hillary. Thank you for sharing that. She says, your journey has helped me see her, she's talking about her mom, in a very different light, one of compassion, love, and forgiveness. Oh, you're so sweet. She says, thanks, John M., for uh, always being available and present for each of us. It means a whole lot. I wish you did a pod every day. (laughs) I am sure there would be enough bozos on the bus to talk to you each day, but I know it isn't as easy as it sounds to produce an ep pull it off like you do. May God bless you and your fabulous family. God bless your podcast, O-D-A-A-T, which means one day at a time, Hillary C. Oh, God bless you, Hillary. Thank you so much for writing that in. I, I really do appreciate it. And you know, I, 
I would like to do this every day too, but I got a family to support and all that stuff. Uh, but maybe, maybe one day uh, when I am retired, and you were correct, Hillary, there are, oh my goodness, there are plenty of bozos on the bus to go around, and we could do one every day. We actually could. But thank you so much. Emily! DMs me on the gram. By the way, Hillary, I, I know that you have come to our yoga class in the past. Uh, I hope to see you back uh, uh, very soon. So anyway, it just reminded me because I know uh, uh, Emily's about to talk about that. She says, hey, John, just wanted to say it was good to see you Sunday at yoga. I so desperately wanted to stick around and talk to everyone afterwards tell you we'd been missing you. I fell asleep during Shavasana at the end. <laughs> I woke up and I was like, oh, S, she actually spells out the word. I was so confused, laugh out loud. I had to tell Megan I didn't mean to pass out. Oops. Hey, passing out in this way is okay. Anyway, I hope you had a great week. As always, grateful for you praying hands. And I'm grateful for you, Emily. And just in case you're not familiar with that term, Shavasana, it's just kind of where you relax at the end and just kind of, you know, recuperate from what you've done already. And uh, <laughs> apparently she she passed out in a good way, fell asleep. She passed out in a in a very uh, a healthy, whole way. Lou, it's a she, Lou, DMs me on the Instagram. A she, Lou. That's a, that sounds like, like a, a, wait a sec, that doesn't sound quite right. It, anyway, it's a woman uh, whose name is Lou. So I guess you'd call that a she, Lou. It kind of sounds like a, a, a Sheila, but nonetheless, she says, love your podcast, John M. I have just finished listening to all your Matthew M episodes, and I'm now on to Bill C. Such an amazing service you are providing, helping all the wisdom find its ways to my ears is Sydney, Australia. Well, thank you for writing in Lou from Australia. Oh, and so I said, well, hold on, let's go back to this. So I said, a she Lou kind of sounds like a Sheila and a Sheila, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> see, I'm making a connection here, is a woman person, right? In Australia, like, like me, if I were in Australia, I believe I would be a bloke. And you are a Sheila, but you're also a Shilu. I have completely gone off the rails, but God bless you. Thank you so much for uh, for putting up with my uh, uh, silliness here. Let me look here. Oh, I've got this mixed up in my notes. Oh, oh, Tim. Oh, I got it. I, I see what I did. I, I have. Uh, it did something incorrect. It, you really don't need to know about all this. Nonetheless, tomorrow, actually, I'm sorry, Tarmo writes, he, he DMs me on the Insta, T-A-R-M-O. He says, thanks for the podcast. It's a great experience. I am Tarmo. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I'm an alcoholic from Estonia. Estonia. Uh, that is, I believe that is a, one of the Eastern Bloc countries, a formerly uh, a Russia uh, province, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, he says, with AA and God's help, I've been sober since 29, oh, they do it backwards uh, in Europe, uh, they, since the, the year 2001, January 29th, one day at a time. Well, congratulations, Tarmo. I hope I got your name right, and I'm so glad that you DM me on the Instagram, and thank you for you and all the other listeners and all the alcoholics uh, and Al-Anons and anybody else, actually, in Estonia. I really appreciate you contacting me. Rosetta writes in and she says, Hey, John M. I just got my stone. I'm just kidding. She said nothing about a Rosetta stone. And I'm sure she's <laughs> had to go through 
silliness like guys like me for the for all of her life but anyway she says rosetta says hi john am i am now sober for three months my sober date is november 2nd of 2020 i live in alberta canada i usually listen to your podcast at work the first episode i heard was episode number 69 with gary k i love his voice the day I woke up and said I need to stop drinking once and for all, I went to AA. I went to the AA website and found a list of all the Zoom meetings. I went through a plethora of those meetings for the first two weeks and finally settled on an AA in the morning as my home group. I attend a few in-person meetings, but really prefer the online meetings and hope they continue after the pandemic. I was sober once for 11 years without AA, just a brief time in therapy in a little town I was living in then, which was off the tip of the Alaskan panhandle. AA was mentioned, and I looked at my therapist like she was crazy. How could it be anonymous? There's only a thousand or so people in this town, and I think they will all know who I am. I clearly did not understand the point of anonymity. After nine years of struggling to quit, once again, my pancreas gave me little choice. Unless I wanted to leave this earth in a very painful way. I am so glad it gave me the last quote talking to as I call it oh it gave me the last talking to as I call it really a very painful night my sister walking around the house with me as I waited for the pain to for the pain to subside when I first came excuse me I lost my when I first came to AA for it was for my family, and I saw visions of them standing around my hospital bed as I writhed in pain, unaware that they were even there. I could not do this to them. I am grateful today that I found AA, the big book, and your podcast. I have come to see that the reason I took that first drink after all these years was that I did not want to tell the person who offered it to me that I was an alcoholic because I respect her and I did not want her to know my secret shame. Her secrets kill us, don't they? She says, I know now I could have said no thank you, not today, anything else, but I chose yes. After coming to AA, I have no shame about my disease. I have made peace with the God of my understanding and let go of the God of my childhood. I am happy more often than I am not. And when I start to feel irritable, discontent, and angry, I say the serenity prayer and I feel better. I will be honest some days, it takes a few rounds, but I get there. Rosette, Rosetta S. Thank you, Rosetta S. Thank you so much for writing in. God bless you. Sounds like you're on the right path, and I'm, I'm so glad to hear it. Arnika, hope I got that name right. R, R, it could be Arnica, R-N-I-C-A, writes in and she says, Hello, John. I live in Redding, California. I'm a single mom, 39, and I admitted I was powerless over alcohol last June, the 25th to be exact. I pretty much had hit my ultimate rock bottom where my drinking led me to wanting to just not live anymore. I was in an abusive relationship for 20 years, and where alcohol was, I was able to... and where with alcohol, I was able to mask all of my emotions and pain I was having. Alcohol allowed me to live like that for so long. Today, I am free from that bondage, and I am a proud member of AA. My home group is the Reading Outlaws. Oh, I love that name. Hey, if anybody else is listening from the Reading Outlaws, that's a big shout out to you from Arnica and me. Well, I guess Arnica wants a shout out to you, but I'm definitely shouting out to you. Anyway, she says, I am of service now and I live for the 24 hours God has provided me with. I love your podcast and the format with the speakers. I found you when I Googled sobriety podcast and now you are on my top five that I listen to on a regular basis. Arnica. Well, thank you, Arnica or Arnica 
for putting me on the top line five and thanks you for being a listener and God bless you and congratulations on your sobriety. Susan writes in and she says, hello, John, my husband and I just moved to San Diego, California. We were living in the Santa Cruz area for the past several years. I discovered your podcast during COVID. In fact, when the country first shut down and meetings were closed and we didn't have any Zoom up and running, I remember making masks by hand and listening to your podcast. It really carried me through those early days of COVID. I'm coming up now on my eighth sobriety birthday in July. Life is fabulous again. In fact, better than ever. When my husband and I were making trips down to the San, down to San Diego County, which was a seven hour drive, we would often listen to your podcast and make for great conversation. Matthew M and David G are especially good speakers and I enjoy them so much. But he C is also very fantastic. The very first talk that I ever listened to, the topic was the lines crossed in the sand or something like that. Oh, she's talking about Howard B. It was about crossing lines in the sand. Uh, And she says, which makes so, which is so amazing because my son also got sober a couple of years ago. And that is exactly what he told us that he would draw a line in the sand and then cross it. Our family has experienced so much healing as a result of the 12-step program, and my life is rich and full because of my relationship with the Lord and my recovery program. God bless you for doing these podcasts and your service, Susan S. Well, Susan S., God bless you and for all your service and for all your participation in the programs, and uh, I absolutely love that uh piece of feedback. Thank you for writing in. All right, folks, we are at the end. But as I told you on the front of this episode, we got a little treat for you. Mary, this is Mary Lynn B. And let me tell you about this. So Mary Lynn B actually attends the group that I attend, the Frisco group of Alcoholics Anonymous in Texas. And my friend Ricky R., actually uh, told me about Mary Lynn's musical talents. I had no idea. I've been sitting next to Mary Lynn. I absolutely love it when she shares. She just moved here recently from California, and I've, I've listened to her in meetings, and she shares, and I think, oh, she's, she's absolutely fantastic. And then Ricky told me that she has these 12 songs that she made several years ago about recovery. And he sent me over a link on Spotify, and I listened to these songs and I thought she does an absolutely fantastic job. So I went up to her Mary Lynn in a meeting and I asked her if I would be, if it would be okay with me with, if it would be okay with her, with me sharing her music on the pod. And she agreed. And here's what I know. This music was released in 2001, but shares still a power, powerful message of experience, strength, and hope. The music that you're about to hear, well, here's just one of the songs, has been played all over the world, conventions, recovery festivals, fundraising events, rehabs. She was even asked to perform at the 75th anniversary of AA in Akron, Ohio. This song, folks, is called Reach, and it was inspired by The 12 Steps, The 12 Step, and I hope you enjoy it. Uh, I am going to put a link to all of her music uh, on uh, Spotify. It's all 12 of the songs, and I'll have that in the show notes for this episode. Please enjoy this song, and uh, if you need to get in touch with Mary Lynn B., just contact me, John, J-O-H-N, at SoberSpeak.com, and I will get you in touch with her. God bless, and enjoy the rest of your week. I will most likely be back next week. I always take this one week at a time. Keep coming back. It works if you work it.
to my bread Want something to happen soon This old man said, excuse me Does this belong to you? He tossed me a shiny gold coin The red to that on self the truth Then he told me to reach